Are you ready? I'm doing great, man. It's been a few weeks since we got a chance to talk, or at least come on the air and talk about what's going on in boxing and MMA, and we picked a great week to come back. It's going to be a huge weekend for the fight world. Absolutely. Life comes at you fast, like that commercial says. And so because of that, we've had some delays in getting our show out there, but we've come back at a great time, especially if you're a boxing and MMA fan. But Bragg, as always, if you're a first-time listener, we got to give you the particulars. You're listening to The Ultimate Fight Show. You can find us on Facebook, Twitter, Blog Talk Radio, all your social media outlets. And if you want, you can call in. Brad, you want to hit them with that number? Absolutely. If, you, if you're listening live, you can get in touch with the show by calling in at area code 657-383-1412. Of course, if you're listening to this on demand and you have any questions or comments for us, you can email us at theultimatefightshow at gmail.com. Of course, you can find us on Facebook and Instagram at The Ultimate Fight Show, and Twitter is The Alt Fight Show. You can follow me personally at The Bragman on all three of those accounts as well. Absolutely. And don't be afraid to call in or send us an email. We're friendly guys, even if our voices, especially mine, don't sound like it. <laughs> but let's get let's get to business, Bragg. I mean, UFC 209, huge rematch, huge implications. So big, in fact, that if you normally listen to our show, you're probably right now anticipating the March Ultimate Fight Show MMA and boxing rankings. We're going to hold off for a week because there's so many big names fighting this weekend in the world of boxing and MMA that it would be redundant to put them out there just to change them a few days later. Bragg, how excited are you before we get into these fights about this weekend as we get into what I like to call the March Madness? Oh, yeah, this this March is starting off with a bang here, and March Madness is really appropriate when you look at these fight cards coming up. When they first announced, of course, 209 would be the rematch between Woodley and Thompson, I, that had my money right there because for my for personally I thought that was the fight of the year last year I was really looking forward to this rematch. Not now you add on uh, Ferguson and Nurmagomedov, you got uh, Rashad Evans coming back fighting on the card, and the two big boys, the two guys that you know one of them's going to sleep, Alistair Overeem and Mark Hunt. Uh, just a great great show UFC 209 has shaped up to be, and as they added fight after fight to that card. I really got excited, but a fight 
on the boxing side of things, we talked about this a couple months back. You know, Keith Thurman and Danny Garcia, two of the top pound-for-pound fighters in the world, uh, in their prime going at it. It's just going to be a fantastic fight. Could be an early candidate for fighter of the year there, and not to mention, you know, the return of David Hay. Bad Chad Dawson fights this weekend, believe it or not. Just an outstanding weekend of fights that really, I don't know if a fight weekend has been this loaded in a long time. Yeah, and when you think about it, talking to about, about Thurman and Garcia, this will be the ninth time that two undefeated fighters meet in their primes for a world championship. This is Floyd Mayweather's belt that they're fighting for, the one that he vacated when he retired, allegedly. And the last time we saw two undefeated fighters in their prime, it was the ultimate, the, 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 the end result was the fight of the year and produced the fighter of the year in Andre Ward and Sergey Kovalov. So just right off the bat, that's going to bring the, the, the big fans in. And then after that, it's free and it's on, you know, CBS live from Madison Square in New York. So it's going to be a huge event. A lot of people are going to see it. It's going to be watched in a lot of homes. I can't wait. Bragg, let's talk about last weekend, what happened with some of the fights since we've been off the air. Um, you had the cancellation of Meathead and Fedor, a fight that Bellator was really throwing out there, really promoting, and then it just fell apart at the last minute because uh, Meathead's panties hurt or something happened and he didn't want to fight, you know, the last emperor. What, what are your thoughts on that, and have you heard any more as to what really went down that night? Yeah, a fight that I was really looking forward to. Of course, Fedor, one of my favorite fighters, and the, and the GOAT when it comes to the heavyweight division. And Matt Mitrione is a guy who, like you said, classic meathead, just, but he gets better and better. Uh, dude had kidney stones, uh, developed kidney stones on Saturday morning, um, Saturday afternoon, and it was determined that he, could, he couldn't pass them in time. Uh, he, was, had to, he had to get some fluids, and he couldn't fight, and let me tell you, as a guy who has had kidney stones before, uh, you, you hear the old adage, it's the closest a man will ever feel to actually giving birth. Um, you know, it, it, it is the worst pain I've ever felt. I, I've broken bones, I've strained ligaments, uh, you know, strained muscles. I've had migraines. I've burnt my tongue. I've bit my tongue. I've had a piercing or two. Um it's the worst pain I've ever felt in my life. I would not wish a kidney stone on my worst enemy. And that is the honest-to-God truth. And once I heard that Mr. Owen was suffering from kidney stones, all was forgiven from my side of it. Because I was very disappointed that fight didn't take place. But uh, he said those magic words, and I com- understood completely. Kidney stones are one of those things that can come on without any warning. It can, in fact, I ended up having one a few weeks back, uh, and it came on in a matter of about an hour. I began to feel it. I didn't feel well all all day. I got one, and I ended up passing it that night. Uh, other times, 
when I've had it. I the first time I had them, I didn't know what was going on. I went to the hospital. They put me on morphine, which is the greatest drug ever. And then <laughs> I don't and I didn't pass it for a couple of days later. So it's one of those situations you uh you can't play with those things. They cause so much pain and so much discomfort. I don't blame Matt Mitchell for backing out of the fight once whatsoever. Uh, there were some rumors that some other fighters had volunteered to come in and fight at the last minute. Baltimore wisely chose um, wisely chose not to take any chances like that. I think they remember what Scott Coker remember what happened with uh, Kimbo Slice, I guess. But uh, yeah, we'll see. We'll see Fedor fight again. We'll see Mitchell fight again. Hopefully, those two guys can lock it up soon. I haven't heard of a scheduled rematch at this point, but. Yeah, among other things, just a crazy start to the entire year so far when it comes to MMA and boxing. Yeah, it's, um, you know, in lieu of hearing the kidney stone story, I personally have never had one. My dad, who has become a type 2 diabetic because of his diet, has told me that that's the worst pain he's ever experienced. And, again, he fought in Vietnam, boxed, all that stuff. Yeah, so, I mean, if that was the case, then, yeah, it, I can understand why he had to pull out. Uh, moving moving on, though, to the UFC fight night that we also missed, there were some, some things that happened there that were a little unforeseen. Um, you had Johnny Hendricks moving up for the first time from welterweight to middleweight, which we thought, or at least I did, because I've been advocating for him to be done for a while, that he ate his way finally out of the welterweight division. Here, he he looked like he was in decent shape. He said he felt more powerful, and he was taking on Hector Lombard, who, you know, was probably making his last title push. And it was a really good fight. I didn't agree with the decision. I had, I thought personally that Lombard won two of the three rounds, but I thought... I could totally understand where Hendricks won two of the three. But the judge that had it three rounds to zero should never judge another fight. That was a really close give-and-take fight with two different styles and where you saw the fighters switching up their styles to a different style mid-fight to make adjustments. I thought it was a good fight. I'm not super impressed with either one of them coming out of it, but I guess as far as for Hendricks, it's going to extend his MMA career a little bit longer. As for Lombard, I don't really know what this dude does now because you lost to a you lost to a former welterweight champion, but a dude who hasn't really been that good for the last two and a half three years. Brad, what are your thoughts? Yeah, I was very disappointed the way this fight played out. I agree. I thought Lombard won the fight on the cards. I had it two rounds to one. I but I wasn't impressed either. Uh, and I'm, this is coming from a guy who's a big fan of Hector Lombard and not a fan of Johnny Hendricks. I just, it didn't seem like Lombard could ever get out of second gear. And unfortunately it cost him. He wasn't be able to be aggressive enough the, the entire 15 minutes. And yeah, you're right. He's in that, he's in that window here where he's not ready or he won't probably won't get another chance to push for another title unless something unforeseen happens, but he's still a name. He's still a dangerous, dangerous fighter. And the same for Johnny Hendricks, you know, the, the middleweight division is now a little bit, uh, 
it's gotten interesting in the last few hours, let's just say the least. We'll talk about that in a few minutes. But is he a player at middleweight? I'm not exactly sure because, again, I don't think he did enough to win that fight. Who knows? Both of those guys are really in career limbo at this point. Yeah, I mean, think about – you kind of alluded to it right there, so he might as well, you know, release the information that most MMA fans know by now, and that is that George St. Pierre, arguably one of the top three of all time, retired champion after the guy that we just talked about, the Hendricks fight, where he was pushed to the brink and won a close split decision – that a lot of people thought Hendricks won, he's back now. And after three and a half years, or two and a half years, three and a half years, the 25-2 and two, former two-time champion will return to fight, face Michael the Count Bisbing for the middleweight title. Dana White said that he's thinking that the targeted date will probably be July in Montreal or Toronto. But nothing is official. Bragg. How big is that? And if we'll, we'll flash forward a little bit because we're, we just talked about Hendricks. Say George St. Pierre beats Bisbing, like I believe he will. Now you got a middleweight Hendricks coming off of a win. Maybe he fights one fight in between, gets another win, and now you got a Hendricks GSP rematch at a different weight, and either one of them could become. He could become a two-time champion. You know, GSP will already be a two-time champion at that point in two divisions. There's a lot of things that could happen. What are your thoughts? Well, for one, that's huge news with GSP coming back because I personally thought he'd stick with the welterweight division. Uh, I now know that I was wrong in that sense. Regardless of what happens with Bisping and GSP, the fact is GSP leapfrogs over – Yoel Romero, and Jacare Sosa for that title shot. Now, you and I were discussing this right before we went on the air. I think it's a great idea, and I give you all the credit in the world for, for saying this. With this being now defending against GSP, I think you rematch Jacare and Yoel Romero for the true number one contendership for the title. The winner of that should get the winner of the GSP uh, Bisping fight. Hendricks, I think, is two fights away if he really wants to make a push here. He's going to have to beat a a top middleweight. Uh, There's just no doubt about it. Uh, Hector Lombard is not that guy. He's not a guy you could beat, especially as uh, slimly as he did. Uh, You're going to have to beat maybe the loser of Chacare and Yoel Romero. You know, maybe – Oh God! There's some. There's another name on top of my head, and I can't think of it right now. Another top five middleweight, um, Luke Rockhold. Luke yes, Rockhold. Luke Rockhold, the former champion. <laughs> How can I forget him? Yeah, he he's still sticking around. Um, and let's not forget a guy by the name of Chris Weidman, who is still a top ten middleweight in the world. I think actually Weidman and Hendricks would be a very good fight to really gauge where Johnny Hendricks is as far as the middleweight division goes. I think you could make that fight. Yeah, and remember, Bragg, that Weidman's scheduled to face Gegard Mousasi in the next couple months. So that could have another real big implication on who moves forward from there. 
That that is true. I forgot all about Gegard Basasi, uh fighting that. So so where is Luke Rockhold in this whole scenario? Does he have a fight scheduled right now? I don't believe that he does, and I think that he's waiting for something to happen with Romero, Jacare, and I, I, Bisbing. But now that Bisbing is officially fighting GSP, that leaves Rockhold without a dance partner if Romero and Jacare decide to do it. But remember this, Rockhold has a defeat against a champion Jacare in strike force that derailed his career for a few years. That's always another big selling point, And it's a fight that they've never done in the UFC because it took place in strike force. So there's the middleweight division to me, Bragg is the, is the division right now with the most depth and the most, variables and fights that can be made, especially when you add Anderson Silva and GSP and possibly Nick Diaz to the mix. Huge. Best division, I think, Back. in MMA. Yeah, I, I, I can't argue with that whatsoever. And think about this. Could we be opening the door now? for an eventual dream fight with Anderson Silva and GSP. Is that a fight that could happen within the next year or so? Yes. Um, I've read some articles, not from legit sources, but from people who are close to the Anderson Silva camp. And Anderson Silva has made it known that the two fights, or I'm sorry, the three fights he's interested in before he retires from fighting and from combat, he wants to fight Roy Jones Jr. in a boxing fight, which you and I have talked about with Al Bernstein about, I think we did about three years ago before Anderson Silva lost his belt and had the injuries. So that's a fight. Roy Jones has always been a hero of his and Roy Jones just knocked out Bobby Gunn at cruiserweight in the second round in a, in a fight where I was very surprised with the result. I we've been advocating for years that Roy should hang should hang it up. And Bobby Gunn, although not a great boxer, was a top ten contender and is a former bare knuckle champion as well. So it had the classic makings of. Jones glass jaw getting tested at a big weight and him getting knocked out. And instead it was the other way around. Jones was able to flash some greatness. And I mean, they always say, I'll quote Rocky Balboa. I watched it a couple days ago. You know, uh, the, uh, they say gr- a great fighter always has one more great fight left in him. Maybe Roy Jones just, just did that because no one can argue that for the first 50 fights of his career, he was one of the top five that ever put it, stepped into the ring. So, how about know, putting that fight? How about putting Silva and Roy Jones on the undercard of McGregor and Mayweather? That they that that's what they were talking about. That's the article that I read. Was that the UFC was trying to find a way where they could do a cross promotion so that it would be all MMA guys against boxers. So it would be. Silva against Jones, McGregor against uh, Mayweather, and then Amir Khan said that he was interested in fighting if the Pacquiao fight falls through, 
and I believe there was there was one other guy who said he was interested as well. Um, oh, James Tony said that he wanted because he got beat and he stepped into the octagon. <laughs> he wanted an MMA guy to come and fight him. So you I mean, could better than James Tony. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I know, right? But uh, I'll tell you this though. So, oh yeah, back to what we were saying. So Roy Jones for the first fight, the other two fights that Anderson Silva said he wanted was John Jones at 205 or a catch weight, and now and then and then and then GSP. But he thought the GSP fight would happen at 180 because most people agreed with you that they thought GSP was going to come back at 170 and not 185. And again, if you're a longtime fan of the show and you listen, you know for years even before when they were ranked one and two, that I have always advocated that I thought GSP had the right style and athleticism to beat Anderson Silva. We saw a little bit of that when Shale Sonnen did it to him for seven rounds. Although he lost both fights, he showed what a great wrestler neutralizing Anderson Silva can do. GSP's the greatest wrestler that's ever stepped into the octagon. I mean, these are all great fights. The bottom line is this. I think that today's news, March 1st, changes the history of MMA for the next two years and makes year 2017 already is set now that GSP returning is going to be the theme for the year. Well, I'd say there are factor fishing. Uh, article or our, our factor fiction segment first of the year. I thought GSP yeah. would end up with the welterweight title by the end of the year. It could be the middleweight title. I could have been a weight class off, but no. Very exciting news coming out today. Um, really looking forward to seeing how that plays out. And uh, they got my money uh, when it's when it's time to fight. And uh, if you, I'm looking back at the notes now, and I actually did have GSP being the middleweight champion at the end of the year. So, yeah, I mean, that's a, uh, you know, I thought that he would move up. I I didn't agree with the, I thought there was a chance. We thought, if you remember too, you advocating for him at 170 wasn't more that you thought he had, that he was going to fight at that weight, but that you thought that they were going to try to make him and McGregor or him and Woodley fight or him and Diaz, which, you know, so I, I think had you known that he was going to move up, you would have never, you know, you know what I mean? Like, I don't necessarily think that people who thought he was going to fight at 70 were wrong. I just think that, you know, I know from being a former, you know, athlete and boxer that when you take time off, your body puts on natural weight that can't, you know, that, that you're not going to be able to get. And GSP is always in shape, like Dana White said. So I just think that, him moving up to 85 is something that he was going to do a couple of years ago. And that's why you saw those last lackluster performances against Diaz, Condon, and Hendricks. We were already starting to see the signs that GSP was starting to be too heavy for that weight class. So I, I, that's why I thought he was going to move up no matter what. When you take three, it's the same way that I think Floyd Mayweather, if he eventually does step back into the ring, I don't think it will be at 147. I think it will be at 154. So, 
And I and I agree with everything you just said. You're absolutely right. It's as you get a little older, the pounds become a little more difficult to come off. And you may be right. Uh, that may have been the reason for the light luster performances he had before he retired the first time. Either way, it's it's very exciting news. And again, I'm I'm just looking forward to it. GSP always been one of our favorite fighters, and happy to have him back. Yeah, and I mean, think about this. You know, we're when we were just talking about for a second lackluster performances. We're still talking about a guy that didn't lose for how many years? Seven years in a row, and he still hasn't lost. Like he might not have been GSP in those last three performances, but he won all three of those fights. Like, make no mistake about. I'm not saying you, but for the fans out there, make no mistake about it. GSP won all those fights, and if you go back and look at the names that he's beaten in his 25-2 and two record, or just look at the two guys that beat him. You're talking about Matt Hughes, who was arguably, before GSP, the best welterweight champion of all time, and a first ballot Hall of Famer, and he beat GSP once and lost twice to him. And then Matt Sarah, who went through the vet, the first ever veterans tournament for the UFC, got a guaranteed title shot, and because he was so heavy-handed, was able to shock GSP, who's naturally a slow starter. In the rematch, GSP destroyed him. So you're talking about a guy that's avenged both losses in his career, and one of them was to a Hall of Famer, and another one was a dude who was a freak and is one of the best trainers now in the sport. So, you know, this is, a, again, I think DSP, if he wins against Bisbing and wins that title, I'm going to go on record and say that GSP is the best MMA, the best UFC fighter of all time. He, if he wins another division title, even if it's against a weak champion like Bisbing, I think that he's the, until John Jones steps up to heavyweight and wins that title, GSP will be the greatest fighter of all time, in my opinion. What do you think about that, Bragg? I can't, I can't. I couldn't argue that. I, I, I really couldn't because he's done it all. Like you said, he lost to Matt Hughes. Uh, no, no shame there. Got stunned by Matt Sarah, who had everything to gain and nothing to lose in that fight. Just a, just he's the all time. He, he, as you said, we've have made the argument before that he's one of the pound for pound great, greatest pound for pound fighter of all time. I think you and I both agree that Anderson Silva is still at the top, but anything can happen in these next couple of years. And it's, like you said, 2017 just became very, very, very interesting, even more so than it already was uh, now that DSP is back. Yeah, you know, I mean, we got a lot. We, we got time tonight because, we're, again, we're not really talking about stuff from – you know, we, we know what we have in front of us to talk about, and we we didn't have the last couple of shows, so we got some time. Let, let, let me ask you a question. Do you think that Anderson Silva's recent struggles since he lost to Weedman – or, well, let's even go back to Shale. Argue, I mean, gets beat for 23 minutes against a juiced-up Shale, somehow pulls out the greatest comeback of all time wins. Losing the second fight. Shale does a stupid spin move, goes to the ground. He finishes him with a flying knee. 
Then he fights Weedman, does some faint shit, gets caught, gets knocked out. Weedman gives him a rematch. He breaks his leg. Then he fights Diaz, you know, wins, sloppy fight. Both fights, fighters test positive for substances. Then he fights Bisbing, who's the current champion, knocks him out. Somehow Bisbing gets saved by the bell, goes on to win a split decision. Then he fights Cormier short notice, somehow still breaks Cormier's ribs and puts on a pretty good account for himself. And then we just saw him against Brunson, and you and I both thought that he got a gift decision there, even though it was a close fight. What I'm getting at with that recap, and the point that I'm getting to is, is, is a judge would say in court, make your case, counselor. I will say <laughs> that I, can, I don't think I can, unless Anderson Silva has some kind of resurgence in, his la- in, in a couple fights, if he continues to fight, I think if he were to retire today, I don't necessarily know that I can say he's the greatest of all time anymore. With his, I think he's done enough damage to his legacy that now you've got to start looking at guys like, like Captain America. I mean, Randy Couture was, was a two-time light heavyweight champion and a two-time heavyweight champion and did it at the, at the age of 45-plus. But the reason why I'm saying that he might be the candidate is because he had that resurgence. If you remember, Chuck Liddell knocks him out twice in a row. He loses the light heavyweight title. Then he doesn't fight for two years and says, I'm going to go take on a seven-footer named, named Tim Sylvia and goes out and, and, and puts on one of the greatest performances that, that, that gets Joe Rogan to say, that man's my hero on, on television. <laughs> I mean, just it was like your dad was going out there to whip someone's ass. I mean, it was spanking him at the end. I mean, that kind of stuff. Then he goes and takes on Lesnar, you know, and, and almost beats him at 47. The point I'm getting at is that he lost and then had a resurgence in his career and won another division's title. And again, nobody, when Stipe goes to defend against Dos Santos in May, he, if he wins, he becomes the, the person who's defended the most in the UFC history. So that just goes to show you that Anderson, I mean, Randy Couture has defended the most of anyone ever in that division right now. He's tied with like three other people. But the fact that Anderson Silva has had such a drop-off, in my opinion, over the last three-plus years. I think the debate can be made now. The same way that I think you can start to debate that Fedor may not have been the greatest heavyweight of all time because he never fought anybody from the UFC. Bragg, I gave you a lot to think about. What, what do you, uh, you know, give me your thoughts on, on what I just was talking about. Well, well, there's a lot to take in. I've always contended that I thought uh, Randy Couture, you know, is one of the pound for pound greatest of all time. I I think a guy like Dan Henderson should be considered in the conversation as well. I, I, a guy, I, you know, the, he's the, the, only, the only problem. Yeah, sorry. The only problem with Dan Henderson is that he never won a UFC title. If Dan, I'll tell you right now, if if Dan Henderson would have knocked Bisbing out like he almost did and won that middleweight title, you, you, what you were saying, would, I, would, I would 100% support you for Dan Henderson being the best fighter of all time, making the case. Well, I, I'm saying he's in the conversation. I'm not saying he is, but 
Uh, you look at his resume, look at the wins he's had. You know, he's not uh, first person to knock out Fedor. I'm or, sorry. Yeah, he, you know, knocking out Fedor, um, you know, knocking out Shogun. He's he's beaten the best of the best outside. He he didn't beat Silva, of course. Um, and you, you know, he he's, he's just he's just one of those guys. But I, I agree with you. I, I think uh, Anderson's legacy has been hurt a little bit. As much as I hate to say it, I think Fedor's legacy has been hurt a little bit. His resurgence here, his comeback, is going to be very important. We're going to see where Fedor ends up after he finishes this run here, whether it's for Bellator, whether he ever finds his way to the UFC or not. I think that's really I, key I think he does. as well. And I, and I, I agree with you. I, I think we see Fedor in the UFC before it's all said and done, especially with this regime's willingness to uh, put the fight game on, on the back burner when it comes to wanting to make the most money. Uh, so it's a really interesting argument. Again, GSP did not lose any any of those fights that he didn't look well in, as you mentioned. So, yeah, I think if Bisping wins the title here, I'm sorry, if GSP wins the title here and beats Bisping, and if he can make another little run here, I, I think you got to make the case if not, go ahead and say it, that GSP is uh, the pound-for-pound goat when it comes to uh, MMA. Yeah, and I mean, again, we might not even have to make the case because if GSP beats Bisbing and then him and Anderson Silva actually fight, if GSP wins, then you don't even have to make the case anymore because it just got, you know, the case got solved. But yeah. um, in the in – the, I'm, I'm glad you brought up Dan Henderson because that just opened up my mind to, like – I was thinking, like, while you were talking, how many other fighters are, like, on the verge of being in that, like, best top ten? So I think what we're going to do for next week's show, we're going to have a Twitter poll, and we're going to put the top ten names up there from Pride, from from, from all the organizations, all time. We're going to take the ten best that the Bragman and I compile, and we're going to have you guys vote on our Twitter page in a poll and then next week we'll reveal the results. But, I mean, think about guys like Quinn and Rampage Jackson. He, he wins the title, the heavyweight title, the light heavyweight title. But the reason I think he stays off is he never won the pride. He never won the pride title because Henderson had it there. And so did Vandalay Silva. You could make a case for somebody like B.J. Penn, another two-division winner who fought everybody. You could make a case for... I, I don't think you can make a case for John Jones yet, even though I think we all know that this this poll is mute. It's a mute point if John Jones comes back and does what we think he's going to do, because he's going to be the greatest of all time if he doesn't derail or sabotage himself. But I mean, it's an interesting thing to talk about because for so many years, Bragg, everybody it was just like MMA, who's the best ever, Fedor or Anderson Silva. It wasn't really open to interpretation, and now it is. And I think that that's going to, you know, give us a lot to talk about over the next couple weeks, especially until Bisbing and GSP fight and see we see if GSP makes history. So just uh, something so to think throw, about. But, let, me uh, throw this, let me throw this question at you. So criteria-wise, do you want to look oh, at somebody? One thing, one, I'm sorry. Wait, wait, one, one thing. I, re- I forgot there was one more name I forgot. 
What about somebody like Big Nog? He was a pride champion, and he was a UFC intern heavyweight champion. He never actually won the UFC heavyweight title, though. So, again, that's another name to throw in there for greatest of all time. No, absolutely. So, are we going to look at guys who have transcended divisions, or do we look at somebody like, say, Demetrius Johnson, who completely has just dominated their weight class, who has – who nobody can compare to? I'm going to tell you no, and this is why. Because Demetrius Johnson, regardless of his dominance in a 125-pound division, there's two reasons why – no, three reasons why I won't put him in there. Number one, they created a division for him. And usually when a division is created, that means that the depth that that division is lacking. And that is kind of what we've seen, especially when you think about the last show. Like, that, the, the guy that fought Demetrius Johnson, I forget his name now. And there you go. I forgot his name, but when we, we were covering him at the time, he won the champion's show. He went out there and gave Demetrius Johnson all he could handle. Even though Johnson won the fight, he was definitely in the fight. And this is a guy that just came out of nowhere. Yeah, he was a champion, but he was a champion in, like, you know, Mississippi or something. The point I'm getting at is that, you know, that's one criteria. The second criteria is that he lost to Dominic Cruz, and that leads to the third one. Demetrius Johnson at any time could have moved up 10 pounds, gone north 10 pounds, and found out, and we easily could have seen. Think about how many super fights we could have seen in the last four years while he was fighting shit fighters with exception of Ben Vadias. We could have seen him against Dillashaw, Barrow, rematch against Cruz. Faber, so many different fights that could have happened at that weight class. But Demetrius Johnson was like, no, I feel really comfortable here. I don't struggle to make weight, blah, blah, blah. Even Frankie Edgar, what Frankie Edgar fought two weight classes higher at one point. His natural, Frankie Edgar's natural rate weight is like 140. But he fought bigger his whole career because he wanted to challenge himself. That's why I just don't think Johnson's on there. I think the criteria for this poll has got to be fighters who were either champions in multiple organizations at one division or they won championships at multiple divisions. I think that's what the criteria has got to be. And that, and so like you enough. Uh, yeah. I mean, you could put Johnson in there, I guess, because he is a technically he is a dominant champion. Yes, he would have to be thrown in a top ten, but I'm just saying that I don't think that he's somebody that I would put in my top five of all time. And that's why we're uh, that's why I'm coming up with my list. You're coming up with yours. The fans are going to tell us what they think. That's what that's what makes it fun. Absolutely. But, uh, you know, oh, one more thing I wanted to talk about before we get into the sweet science is Travis Brown, go away. This is a <laughs> referendum. Please stop fighting. I believed your hype. I, I watched your show. I saw that you were in good shape. You weren't focused on Ronda. You were ready to go. And I believed that you were going to win. And then you go out there and you hurt this guy to the body like I've never seen a heavyweight really hurt to the body. And somehow, seven, you don't know how to finish a guy. And then you don't know how to tuck your chin down so you don't get caught 
with 30 uppercuts that you got caught with in two rounds against a guy who could barely punch. Because the guy couldn't breathe. I mean, literally, I've never seen a dude get hit in the stomach like that. I mean, he was touching him with his toe, and Lewis was, like, cringing, like his belly button had a hole in it from, like, a bullet shot or something. I mean, it was ridiculous. I had money on him. He cost me money. I, I'm just done. I, go away, Travis Brown. Don't fight again. You are a chump. <laughs> yeah, I've never been a big fan of Travis Brown. Uh, so I was personally excited and happy that he lost that fight. I did not pick him. I, I, there are certain guys I just refuse to pick under any circumstances, and he's one of them. So uh, he is yeah, a, if, I, if I don't see Travis Brown, I'm he's the epitome of B-I-G don't spell bad. Okay? <laughs> Just because you're big don't mean you're bad. My dad always used to tell me that. Travis Brown is the epitome of that. He is a punk bitch, and I never swear on this show. But that dude, I, I mean, I watched him fight in Cleveland live. I saw him get beat down by Kane, and now he gets beat by Luke. Like, I don't even, this dude's like one in five in his last six fights. It's it's crazy how he's getting. I mean, it must be because he's Ronda Rousey's boyfriend. So Dana White, because he likes Ronda, was like, "Here, I'll throw him on another car." I just don't understand how this guy keeps getting fights. Well, we've talked about it before too. The heavyweight division isn't the deepest it's been in a while. Although it's beginning to get deeper, there's some contenders emerging here. But yeah, you're right. Uh, Travis Brown doesn't deserve to be a top ten heavyweight in the UFC, and I don't even know how he, how he would fare in Bellator at this point, but that might be his next stop. Uh, absolutely. All right, it's time to talk a little sweet science here on the Ultimate Fight Show. segment here at the ultimate fight show a lot of good fights finally happening here on the eyes of march as we near a huge summit showdown in new york between garcia thurman we'll talk about it in a couple minutes but first some other fights that are taking place a little earlier in thailand tonight brag i kid you not this is for a real title. The guy's name is Knockout CP Freshmart. That is legitimately his name. Knockout CP Freshmart. I mean, do you even know? I mean, what do you say to that? Well, this, uh, it's definitely a marketable name, and you said it's happening tonight. Uh, do we want to throw out a spoiler here? Because the result is actually already in on this fight. Oh, yeah, because you know what? It's in Thailand, so it probably actually happened this morning. I have not looked. He was fighting a guy named Go Adairi. I probably would have gone with Knockout just because it's in his name, and, and he was the champion. So what what were the results, Bragg? Uh, uh, Fresh Mart. Uh, I keep wanting to call him Fresh Market. Uh, and actually, when I first saw it, I thought it said fresh start, but 
regardless, uh, not to Derry down in the fourth, hurt him bad. He was able to answer the bell in the fifth. Another knockdown, the referee saw it fit to stop the fight. So, Fresh Mart won with a TKO in the fifth round over Goa Derry. That happened this afternoon in Thailand. Just See, like we're, we we're already wanted to out. talk about. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> All right. We got, we got, a, we got, these haven't happened yet. They're in Tokyo probably later tonight. But for March 2nd, we got Shinzuki Yamanaki. We know who he is. Gold medalist from China. Uh, world champion. I believe he's only fought like 10 fights. But uh, he's taken on Carlos, Carlos Carlson in a bantamweight title fight. I think that I speak for both of us that we both believe Yamanaka will win a decision going away. Yeah, I think so. I really like Yabanaka. I really enjoy watching them fight. Uh, real good young fighter. Uh, one of Asia's best imports late in the most recent memories. Uh, I think he does. I think he wins a wide UD. Yeah, absolutely. All right, let's get to the um, the New York card on Saturday. We got uh, An- um, Andres Fanfara. We, we saw him fight. At light heavyweight, he's a good fighter. He's taking on bad Chad Dawson, the former champion, who is pretty much in this fight now. This is his last round. Fanfara's the top five guy. The winner of this fight will probably be in line for a title shot against Adonis Stevenson, since Andre Ward and Kovalov are probably going to have a rematch in the next couple months. So it's a good fight. You know that I've always been a huge Chad Dawson fan. I thought he... I, I feel like Chad Dawson's one of those dudes who didn't get the right people around him, and he could have been a, he could have been a Hall of Famer, and uh, it just didn't work out, you know, the way that it was supposed to for him. But uh, Brad, who do you like in this one? Yeah, I'm a big Chad Dawson fan as well, but I just don't see this happening and ending well for him. I think it's going to be a good fight. His experience will keep him in this fight. The di- it'll go to distance. Uh, Fanfara, this is going to feel like I was reading some information on him. This being in New York, it's probably going to feel like a hometown crowd for him. Uh, he's going to have a big backing here. Uh, and I think he ends up winning a unanimous decision. I think Dawson puts up a little fight in the middle, but I think uh, Fanfara uh, pulls away at the end. Yeah, I agree. I, I, I was just, while you were talking, I was trying to find a way to talk myself into picking Dawson for the last time, but um, I just can't. I, I've seen from far a fight. He's good. He know, he's got an educated jab. And um, I will say this, though. If Dawson's in shape, because he's a tall southpaw with, with good power, he could win this fight. But I just, for some reason, I, I can never get the image of him getting knocked out by Stevenson in that first round out of my head. Like, I, I mean, we know Superman can punch. We know that now. We didn't 100% know it then. But it's just that knockout was just so vicious. And uh, coming off a ward stopping him, he's just never been the same. So I'm going with Fonfara by a decision as well. So, uh which brings us now to the co-main event, Erickson Lubin against George Coda for the WBC junior middleweight. This is an eliminator fight. This is for Floyd Mayweather's WBC title that he vacated at junior middleweight. It's funny, both, 
both main event and co-main event are both fighting for Mayweather's old titles. Anyways, um, <laughs> who do you like in this one, Bragg, Lubin or Coda? Yeah, Eric Saluba is a great young fighter. He's on the rise. I think he's on the fast track. I'm looking, um, and I think Coda, who's had a long way off here, I think he's biting off more than he can chew. And I like Lubin to win this fight. I think he stops him, actually, in the sixth round. Yeah, I'm going to say in the eighth, but I think I think Lubin also stops him as well. Which brings us now to the main event, the fight that uh, – you know, we've we've known about Hold this that fight thought, Larry. Hold that thought. Before we uh, yeah. talk about the main event, I want to go back over to the pond and go to England for a minute and talk about David Hay and Tony Bellow. Oh, yeah, that's right. I forgot we had one more. You're right. Yeah, let's talk <laughs> about it because our, 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 our good friend David Hay, you know, who, uh, who hurt his toe against Klitschko, and that prevented him from no. winning the title, remember? <laughs> We could never get that one out of our uh, out of our brain, but uh, yeah, he's fighting uh, Tony Bello. It's going to be a good fight, Bragg. What do you think? You re- do you really think it's going to be a good fight, Elsie? I think that if Hay actually shows, because they're trying to say that um, they're trying to say that uh, Hay might not show up to the fight now or pull out. So so who knows? trying to play head games or if it's really something that's going on in his camp. I mean, his, his promoter has said that he's going to show up and that he's going to get these coming to win and everything like that. But you never know. David is just one of those guys who's like, he reminds me of the English version of floor. I mean, of Oscar De La Hoya, but but he's not as good looking as Delahoya was, and he <laughs> is, is not as good of a fighter as Delahoya was. Like he's the English. Like he wants to be like a Hollywood guy, like a star. Like I'm good looking. I'm a big guy. I'm fast. But then when he gets into the ring, he's a better talker than he is fighter. And that's really what we found out about. That. I mean, that, that's what I feel about Hey. I just he used to be a guy I really liked, who I thought could have done. I thought really, in reality, at one point when he was undefeated before he fought Klitschko, and I don't think I was alone in this opinion, a lot of people thought that David Hay was going to be like the next Vander Holyfield, Mike Tyson kind of hybrid because he had big power, could take a punch, and fast hands and moved like cruiserweight, light heavyweight. It just didn't ever happen. The dude's mouth was better than his actual skills. Bragg, what do you think? How does it go down Saturday if it goes down? Yeah, I, I think it will go down. I I, I talked about that. And I double checked before we went on the air. I guess the word was that he had had an injured ankle, uh, something going on with his foot or his leg, not his toe this time. But it's I always guess he... it's always his foot. It's always his foot. Or... <laughs> I mean, what the hell? Uh, yeah, I knew you'd get a kick out of that. But apparently, he was out. He was playing some uh, football. I'm sorry, soccer uh, this weekend. He looks to be in. Ready to go. Of course it was. I think. But, well, of course it was fucking soccer. Of course it was soccer and not football. Again, again, sounds tough. Football, really, it's soccer. Dude, that was the best. That was the best analogy. Thank you for setting that up for me. I mean, that was that. That's David Hay, right there. You think you think you're going to football and you end up with soccer. 
<laughs> Regardless of the fact, uh, unless he is looking past Tony Bello here, because he gets a chance at Anthony Joshua if he wins this fight. I think if Bello's only chance is to take this fight late and take uh, Hay into deep waters, I don't think he does it. I like David Hay to win this fight uh, by knockout in the fourth round. As long as he doesn't stub his toe, twist his ankle, or drop something on his foot, I, I think Bella should take a chance at stepping on his foot early in the fight as well. I, I think Bello should show up with MMA gloves on instead of boxing gloves, <laughs> and that David <laughs> Hayes is so stupid that he would probably still fight him. <laughs> because, again, football, soccer. But, again, I'm stupid because I'm still picking David Hay. I'm picking soccer <laughs> over football in this matchup, again, because but, – but I'm picking it. You know how, like, sometimes we always give our percentages, like, I'm picking this with 52%. I'm picking this with 1% confidence. I'm not certain that he gets to the ring – I'm not certain that he comes to the corner. I don't even know if he'll be in the building. I just know that if somehow David Hay gets to the ring and the bell actually sounds, that David Hay wins this fight by knockout in the sixth round. But, but I, I, I'm, I have listen, a one, listen, everybody, I'm one sorry for taking this over to England here. One percent confidence. One. Let's talk about the main event. <laughs> All right, let's get into it. Main event, Keith one time Thurman. Uh, let's get ready to rumble! That was amazing. Right right when you played, I was hoping you had it. I wasn't sure. And right when you played that, I raised my hands in the air like LeBron does when he throws the smoke up. It was awesome. <laughs> anyway, we got to start. We, we might have to start doing podcasts to let people know what's really going on. But anyways, um, yeah, main event, Keith one-time Thurman. We got him ranked 10th pound for pound by the Ultimate Fight Show, taking on our 11th ranked pound for pound fighter, two-division world champion Danny Garcia. Both undefeated, both like to fight, both don't think that the other guy's going to back him up. Again, we alluded at the top of the show, it's only the ninth time in the history of boxing, which is so surprising, but it goes to show you the problems when you have multiple promoters, multiple, you know, title belts, et cetera, et cetera, that the top guys don't always meet in their primes. This is going to happen. The winner of this, Greg, I've said it. I, I, if you listened to the show two months ago when we had Al on, Al Bernstein, Hall of Famer, you, we talked about it briefly, that the winner of that fight between Thurman and, and Garcia has to emerge for real now as the front runner for Floyd Mayweather come out of retirement and actually fight a boxer for his 50th win. Because we said it before on the show, or at least I'm saying it now, if he does fight Conor McGregor, regardless if they fight by the Marcus of Queensberry rules and in a boxing ring, I will not consider that a legit 50th win to break the great Rocky Marciano's record. I'm sorry. I'm just not going to do it. So the winner of Garcia Thurman to me becomes the legit front runner for several reasons, Bragg. 
because either one of them, they're about the same size as Floyd. Neither one of them is as fast as Floyd. Neither one of them is as good of a defender. And it's a belt. And they both, now that they're going to be on Madison Square Garden in New York, fighting on national television, Floyd's going to be able to settle that fight if the winner, especially if it's a great fight, which we're all anticipating that it's going to be because we got two undefeated fighters that have never been broke. Brad, tell, before, I, before I give my pick and my breakdown, just about what I commented there, what do you, again, what do you think about the winner of this fight? And does that add that extra little layer of pressure to both of these guys? Well, if they're not feeling the pressure, then they don't need to be in the sport anyway. But, yeah, this is a huge fight. This is one of those fights. Like you said, you made the comment, both of these guys, boxing fans know how good these guys are. Like you said, we've got them in the top 11, number 10 and number 11 right now in our pound-for-pound rankings. The key there is what you said. This is going to be broadcast on network television on CBS. More eyes are going to watch this fight than they normally would on a regular pay-per-view or even if it was on Showtime. So this is an opportunity for these two guys to really get into the mainstream conversation. You're going to uh, – an impressive showing or an exciting fight by these two guys. You're going to start hearing talk about these on the daily talk shows, on the sports centers more often, on Fox Sports 1, you know, on, on all these different talking head shows that now seemingly all they want to talk about is Floyd Mayweather and Conor McGregor. This really puts a monkey wrench into that argument and gives Floyd a viable, a viable option for a legit 50th win for his career. Uh, it's going to be a great fight. I, I don't anticipate anything less. Uh, talk about Keith Thurman for a minute. I think he's the guy who is going to come into this fight. He is the favorite right now by the Vegas odds. Do you have the latest odds? I know he was at a – I think he was a 150 favorite earlier today. Has that moved at all? I am – as you – you can keep talking. I'm going to pull up the odds while you're talking, but break down what you wanted to say. Okay. So Thurman's going to come in. He's going to be the bigger fighter. He's probably going to have the power advantage of, as well. Uh, I think Thurman's biggest strength is early on. He's he's more dangerous early on. Uh, Danny Garcia on the other side may be the overall better boxer. He's got a great left hook that he can utilize and throw yeah. from anywhere seemingly, and it's a very dangerous uh, punch and a weapon to have. Oh, I thought I thought I thought you were going to come back with some. I'm sorry, Larry. Uh, oh, to continue my point, though, I think they're having trouble pulling up the odds because supposedly. All right, here we go. Thurman is now a two and a half to one favorite, minus two fifty. Wow. That's wow. That's so, that, that, that's wide. That's that's very wide, and uh, I'll tell you why I think that in a second. I think the biggest thing, the key to this fight is Keith Thurman. I think he he's a guy who starts off very strong. He's a dangerous fighter. 
and most dangerous early on. But he does tend to fade late. He does tend to slow down in the later rounds. And Danny Garcia is a guy who he always finds a way to win fights. He's 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 one of these guys that you know he's like that great two minute quarterback. He's a guy like you know not comparing him to Tom Brady, but he's a guy that just he just finds a way to win these fights. I have Aaron Rodgers back in Aaron Rodgers. You know, he he makes things happen. I've been back and forth on this fight for a long time. I really have. My first instinct instinct is to say Keith Thurman wins this fight. I really now, thinking about it, I really want to say Danny Garcia wins this fight. But I'm going to go back to my original gut instinct. I think Keith Thurman gets up early. I think he gets up enough early that Danny Garcia is going to basically run out of time to win this fight. I think Keith Thurman ends up winning a close unanimous decision when it's all said and done, maybe even split. I think it's going to be a great fight. I think you're going to see Thurman win the first five, six rounds, maybe throw another round or two into in the last half of the fight. But I think Danny Garcia just does not – he ends up running out of time. There's no overtime in boxing. There's no 13th round, 14th round of boxing. I think Keith Thurman barely beats Danny Garcia by decision. Yeah, I mean, I, that, that, that's a great breakdown. I mean, I love the, the running out of time thing and the way that you – now let me ask you something because you didn't, you know, break get as specific. Do you see a knockdown happening in this fight from either fighter? And I think that might be end up being the difference in a round. I think Thurman could catch him. Uh, I don't think it's going to necessarily hurt him or debilitate Danny Garcia, but I do think you could see a knockdown early on or maybe even in the middle of the fight that is just going you know, give that extra point. That could be the difference in the fight. I don't think, while Danny Garcia does have good power, I'm not sure if he's going to have the power to put Thurman down. But I do see... One one of those guys, specifically Garcia, possibly hitting the canvas, um, whether it be a flash knockdown, whether it be a whatever. Um, but, yeah, and that could very well be the difference in the fight. Yeah, I think that, uh, again, the breakdown that you had was spot on, running out of time. I could see it all happening. Here's my take on this fight, and I've been watching – I've been circling this fight – not as intently as I did with Ward and Kovalov three years ago before the fight was even made, but I've known that Thurman and Garcia have, are, we're going to fight for about two years now. And, um, you know, you could see them moving towards each other. Here, here's what I'll say about each fighter first, and then, I'll, and then I'll give you my pick. Keith Thurman has one of those special, he's a special kind of fighter for the division in a sense that he reminds me of a cross between Paul Williams. You remember Paul Williams? Yeah, absolutely. He reminds me of Paul Williams, not, not because he's, he's not as big as Paul Williams was lengthwise, but he's tall for that division. And then he's an outlier because he's got serious dynamite in that right hand. So, and then the other thing that you said, which is spot on and true, is that, 
Foreman is someone who starts fast and fades late. That's all true. Danny Garcia, on the other time, on the other hand, again, never, never been beat. He's been with his father since day one. They've been in rough spots. No one thought he was going to beat Amir Khan. What did he do? He knocked Amir Khan out. Nobody thought, and I mean nobody. I was probably the only, one of the few people that actually went on record and picked him against Lucas Matisse. And he went in there and dropped him in the tent with that left hook and won a tough fight. He got, I will admit this, I, when Danny Garcia went down to Puerto Rico from, and defended his title against, uh, oh, God, the guy's name. Two years ago, I, I would have known it. Now I forgot it because he's faded from the pitcher. But it was a close fight, and Garcia won a split decision. And a lot of people thought he lost that fight. With the exception of that, he's learned, he's moved up in weight, he's always answered the bell. He's a tough little fighter, and so is Thurman. So, I'm, again, this is a great fight, couldn't have been made at a better time, especially with Mayweather flirting with the idea of coming back. So now we get the fight time. Here's my prediction. I was leaning towards Thurman the same way that you said for the same reasons. But then the more and more I started breaking down the fight, from the boxer side of it, from what I know, I just, I feel like Thurman's going to start fast, maybe win the first two, three rounds. And then kind of like with the Amir Khan fight, I think Garcia and his dad are going to have a moment in the ring, kind of the same way that Ward and Vir- and Virgil Hill had in, in, in the corner. And, you know, they're just going to, they're going to have that moment where it's father, son, you know, hey, you're losing the fight. You've got to dig down deep. You've got to make adjustments. And Danny Garcia, I think, is going to start getting inside. He's very good at stepping in with his counters. And his left hand is one of the best in the business. And I think that in the middle rounds, Danny Garcia is going to start building points, start, start wearing Thurman down with body shots. And I think somewhere late, in the ninth, tenth round, and I, and, and again, this, this I, I might be wrong, and if I'm wrong, I'll, I'll, I'll live with it. But I think Danny Garcia is going to catch Keith Thurman with a shot and stop him. I think Danny Garcia knocks Keith Thurman out in the tenth round in a, in a, in a great fight, and that we see Danny Garcia and Floyd Mayweather fight in September in a huge fight. That's my that, that that that's what I, my prediction for Saturday night. Thoughts? Well, I could very well see all that happening can be very very well be true. I like I said, I, I've been on the fence the whole time on this fight. Danny Garcia could very well win this fight very easily, like you said. Yeah, I'm just looking forward to seeing how it plays out because it's going to be a really good fight. And again, we mentioned it, and you just said it. It's, it could very possibly be be looking at Floyd Mayweather's next fight if the McGregor fight doesn't happen. Speaking Absolutely. of which, uh, where are you at percentage-wise on that fight happening before we move on to MMA? I know at one time <laughs> before you were you were really in the, you know, 20 it's going to happen, seven, thir- or 80% that it wasn't going to happen. Um, are you any closer now? 
I'm I'm 65 35 that it doesn't happen. And and again, for the same, I'm not going to beat a dead horse. Same reasons. I don't think that. I think the fact that Dana White and the UFC have a legally binding contract that Conor McGregor owes them three more fights before he can go fight anywhere else. I think that Floyd Mayweather being his own boss and being the highest paid athlete in the world when he chooses to, to, to compete, um, he's not going to split money that way. So either you're going to run into one, two things, either Conor McGregor is going to break from the UFC and start a huge, a huge Supreme Court case, kind of like what happened with Andre Ward when he wanted to split from his promoter and it ended up costing him two years. Look at Mikey Garcia. I mean, he, look at the way he's come back. He's undefeated. I mean, I can't wait to see what that kid's going to do. But, I mean, these fighters don't realize that these promoters, these biz, that they're businessmen. They're smart and they have lawyers. And I'm not saying that fighters are dumb. I'm just saying that you, the average fighter is not as smart as the average promoter. And that's a fact. And these guys know how to get their money and know how to stop you. I mean, dude, if they can stop Muhammad Ali in his prime for four years, they can stop Conor McGregor. Okay. So that's the thing. I just don't think that money-wise they're ever going to get to the same page. And here's the other thing. Now you got guys like Canelo, De La Hoya, other Max Kellerman coming out and just basically saying, like, this would be a glorified sparring match. Max Kellerman said it best. If Conor McGregor was the greatest naturally gifted boxer of all time, he still has a 0% chance of winning. And most people will buy in for the underdog, but no one's going to pay $100 when they know that the chances of McGregor winning, especially when he's limited to only punching and he can't use the things that made him great, the fighter who's arguably the greatest defensive fighter and one of the best fighters that's ever lived, you have zero chance of winning. I can't see people shelling out 100 bucks for that. Even with Pacquiao, you know, people like you and I knew that Mayweather was going to win going away. That's why I put nine grand on him. The point is, is that with McGregor, you can't, you can't justify a hundred dollars for that. It's just not going to be a fight. So that's my thought. No, I, and I'm leaning that way as well. The longer this thing plays out, uh, the less and less I'm optimistic that it's going to happen. I'm probably in the 60-40 range at this point saying it's not going to happen. So I'm almost catching up with you. But, again, it's a crazy, crazy world. Stranger things have happened. And regardless of where we go from here, you know, it's not going to be boring. We can tell you that. Get into UFC 209 real quick. We got the main card. We'll start. We're only. We're going to cover the five fights. We'll start with Darren Elkins, twenty-one and five against Mursad Bitik, who's eleven and zero. This is a featherweight fight. Connor's old division. I like uh, Bitik, the undefeated fighter, to win by unanimous decision. Brag, who you got? Yeah, I do, I do as well. I think he wins a unanimous decision, uh, possibly two rounds to three. He could win all three rounds. I don't think it's going to be very competitive. Yeah. Next fight in the lightweight division, we got David Tamer, 5-1, against Lando Veneta from the Dagobah system, 9-1. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
<laughs> reference there for your Star Wars fans. But um, I like Lando. I'm never going to bet against a guy named Lando. So I'm going with Lando by uh, UD. Yeah, I think so. Well, I think Veneta wins this fight. Uh, I think he could get knocked out in the third round. It could be a stoppage, but yeah. Yeah, afterwards he's going to send uh, David Pimar to the Vespa mining system. <laughs> All right. Sorry, guys. I'm I'm a Star Wars nerd. Anyways, um, let's get to the heavyweights. This, this, this is a good fight for Overeem. Mark Hunt, a couple of heavy-handed European fighters who have fought for UFC titles and come up just a little bit short. Lot, I mean, we know what they can do. you got to argue. Overeem, regardless of what he's done in the UFC, you cannot argue with the fact that he's probably the greatest striker in the heavyweight division of all time. I mean, the dude's won titles in, in every organization except the UFC. Mark Hunt, a freak of nature, Samoan from Hawaii. Dude hits, I mean, the guy's got granite in both hands, and he's got a serious beard as well. It, it took a juiced up to the gills, Lesnar, to barely beat him, and a phantom knee that was thrown. It was the best knee I've ever seen thrown, besides Aldo's, to his face from Weedman that stopped Hunt. So, I mean, someone's getting knocked out. This fight isn't going past the first round. It's just a question of who do you got in this one. Bragg, who, who do you think is going to get get in there first? Is it going to be the longer, bigger Alistair Overeem, who's got a little bit more of the questionable chin, or is it going to be the shorter, more sturdy Mark Hunt, who's susceptible to long shots from the outside? Well, how ironic, before I give you my pick, how ironic is it that this, Mark Hunt is suing the UFC for putting him into a fight with Brock Lesnar, who tested positive for steroids. Well, you know, as, as he, he should. should. So they retaliate by putting him in a fight with Alistair Overeem. <laughs> a guy, a guy that oh, yeah. we've known at one point has tested fifteen to one for Epi to, to <laughs> test testosterone. They said he had enough testosterone in him the one fight to. That was it was more than more than a bull. Okay. Yeah, this that's just I, I just think it's very ironic. I'm not sure if it was done on purpose or not. Uh, we won't speculate on that. But no, I, I think I think Overeem's chin is a little too far gone at this point. He could very well uh, reach out and touch Mark Hunt, but I think Mark Hunt has he he's going to be fighting with a little bit of extra incentive. Come Saturday night, I think he withstands the barrage from Overeem. I think he gets in there. I think he touches Overeem. I think he puts him to sleep in the first round. Yeah, I agree with everything you said. I was trying to find a way, thinking maybe Overeem starts using his kicks and his knees more. But I don't think it matters. What we do—that's <laughs> what I'm saying. What we know about Mark Hunt is that you're not going to get him with one shot. So. If you're not going to get him with one shot, that means that you've got to stay inside in the pocket there for like five seconds. And that's going to allow him to, to get one of his shots off. And if you trade shots with Mark Hunt, what the – this is my favorite line. <laughs> we saw it with Lamont Peterson and Lucas Matisse. You don't hook with a hooker, you know. <laughs> and, and, and Mark Hunt is a hooker, dude. 
you don't hook with Absolutely. him inside, uppercut or any of that stuff. And, uh, yeah, I, I think Overeem gets a little too – I think Overeem's going to have a little bit of success early, maybe try some leg kicks from the outside to Mark Hunt's legs to kind of get him a little off balance. But I think eventually he's going to get a little close and uh, Mark Hunt's going to smash his face in. So, yeah, I'm going with Hunt in the first round by knockout. Which brings us to our co-main event. Not quite enough to get a Bruce Buffer intro, but enough. This is the best fight of the night, in my opinion. So, Absolutely. Got, uh, Could be fight Tony, of the year. Yeah, you got Tony Ferguson, 22-3, and three, against Khabib Nurmagomedov, 24-0. Both of these fighters are ranked number one and number two at lightweight by the ultimate fight show the champion conor mcgregor is the only man that's ahead of either one of them this is going to be one hell of a fight nimagamanov has never lost and tony ferguson is on what a seven fight win streak brag i believe you're right seven fights and he's been more and more impressive every fight and and that's what i mean this this is a classic fight of striker against not necessarily ground game I would, say this, I, I would say this is top game against ground game. You've got the striker in Ferguson who wants to rough him up, no submissions, can get shit done. And then you've got Nurmagomedov who is just, once he gets you to the ground, he's like a boa constrictor. He's like Damian Maya, only smaller. So it's going to be a question of, I mean, we, we've, this is why people fight. It's the striker against the grappler. Everyone always says all oh, stru- all street fights start standing, most go to the ground. Who would you rather be? We've seen it played out time and time again. Anderson Silva, Dan Henderson instantly comes to mind. Shale Sonnen against Anderson Silva. Striker against wrestler. Bragg, how do you see this one going down Saturday night in, like you said, what very well could be the fight of the year? Yeah, Tony Ferguson is a guy who impresses me more and more every fight. He has definitely become out of come from the ultimate fighter, I believe, and he's put himself into contention. And if it weren't for Khabib, he should be getting a title shot for that lightweight title. But Khabib, as you said, was undefeated. He's been out of the limelight uh, for over a year because he was injured, unfortunately. He came out. He's earned a title shot. We've talked about it before. They're giving him an interim lightweight title for, to the winner of this fight. I, I don't like the fact that it's an title, but as it is, it's Conor McGregor's not going to defend the lightweight title anytime soon. Uh, these guys deserve that recognition. It's going to be a hell of a fight. I think Khabib's ground game. I think he's good enough. I've been touting this guy for a long time. I think he's a guy who could be and should be champion of the lightweight division right now. I think he ends up getting the job done. As much as I like Tony Ferguson, I've become a fan of his. I think Khabib is able to take him to the ground. It may take him around. I really want to say it's going to be a a, a five round decision because keep in mind it will go. It is a five round fight. But I think Khabib frustrates Tony Ferguson on the ground late in the third round. I believe he's able to get a submission and become the new interim lightweight champion of the world. Yeah, I mean, it's, again, it's, it's going to be a hell of a fight. It's going to be one of those fights where, 
we're going to see multiple game plans implemented. We're going to see people – we're going to see both fighters try to implement their style. What I'm alluding to is that which fighter is going to be able to adjust first. We've looked at it time and time again in the great fights with the great fighters. What separates the champions or even the top contenders from the elite and the great are the little moments, the small moments in between the rounds and fights, who can make the adjustment, whose corner is stronger, who is going to listen to what their corner man is seeing and go out there and do it. I think that, again, when you got someone like Khabib who's undefeated, he's never lost, he's never been broke, it's just it's hard for those guys to not believe in themselves. And Tony Ferguson at 22-3, and he could chalk up some of his losses to a learning experience, and he's won seven straight, and he's the hottest fighter. And the fact that we even know his name and he's getting all this praise speaks to his accomplishments. But I just think at the end of the day, like you said, that Khabib's got too many weapons. Once the fight goes to the cage, the mat, the fight's over, in my opinion. So that means that Ferguson's got to fight a perfect stand-up fight. I will say this, and we talked about it briefly after the Madison Square Garden fight with Alvarez and uh, McGregor, that if you remember when Khabib was fighting... Michael Johnson on the undercard there, that Michael Johnson was able to hit Khabib with a, with a shot, with a right hand that buckled Khabib's knees. Because remember we were talking, I, I said that if Conor McGregor lands that same shot, he's getting knocked out. That's what Ferguson's got to do. He's got to land that big shot in the first round that, change, that, that makes Khabib think, holy shit, I just tried to kiss the expressway and got punched in the mouth, and every time I want to shoot now or tie up, I got to worry if the next one's going to knock me out. That's, that's the only way Ferguson wins this fight. He's got to get his respect early, and he's got to limit. He cannot spend more than 30 seconds on the mat or he's done. That's just my opinion. I don't think he'll be able to do that. I think it's a hell of a fight. I'm going to say Khabib submits Ferguson in the third round in a great fight. I agree with everything you just said, and uh, I'm I'm just really looking forward to it. This is a guy that, like you said, the fight with uh, Michael Johnson was a pretty good indication of what Tony Ferguson could bring to the table. I think he's better than Michael Johnson, but I think that was a good test for Khabib. He passed that test, and I think Ferguson now is, again, he could touch him early, get that respect, and he could do some damage to him and end up winning this fight easily, but uh, I'm in agreement with you. I think Khabib ends up getting a submission in the third or fourth round. All right, and that brings us to our main event. We'll let Bruce Buffer take us in. This is the moment UFC fans around the world have been waiting for. remix. Uh, Tyrone Woodley, Stephen Wonderboy Thompson, 16-3-1 for Woodley, the champion, 13-1-1 one one 
for Thompson, the number one contender, and that one on end, on the end of each of their records is from each other. Arguably fight of the year last year. I just watched it two days ago. They showed a replay of it on FX, uh, uh, FS1, I mean, and uh, hell of a fight. Still don't know how, how, how Thompson survived that fourth round. Don't know how um, he was out on his feet. That speaks to his training. It speaks to his test, you know, in, internal fortitude, mental toughness. Woodley's got to be thinking, how, how did I let that one slip away? And probably still should have got the decision. I picked Woodley. You picked Thompson. I'm okay with the draw, but I thought Woodley did enough to win a split decision. But I'm glad we're getting to see it, see it again. I think the, this fight's going to be a little bit different. Bragg, why don't you break down uh, and let us know how you see it going, who you got, and then I'll do mine. Yeah, absolutely. I, it was my pick for fight of the year just based on the reverence of the fight and also how great the fight was. I think what you said is going to be a key factor. The fact that Stephen Thompson took the best Tyrone Woodley had and was able to survive. And the fact that Woodley gave Thompson what he feels like could be his best and he wasn't able to get the job done. Regardless of how you felt the decision should have went, uh, a draw was what it was. Now we get the rematch. Stephen Thompson... I've been I've I've jumped on this guy's bandwagon a, a year or so ago. I think he's I said it before he's a future champion in the sport. He's a young kid. He's a guy that the UFC can really try to rebuild around. They they've they've had a little bit of uh, trouble lately as far as guys like or like Ronda Rousey losing. Now that women's division has lost its face. I think Stephen Thompson is a guy who you can really kind of build around. I think he does get the job done here. I think he's a he's he's learned from that fight. I think he's a better fighter because of it. And this takes something away from Tyrone Woodley, who with one shot could end this fight. He's got that power in his hand. But I kind of feel like you know, I've seen some interviews with these guys where they've sat across from each other. I almost feel like Thompson may be in Woodley's head a little bit. Woodley's. After the fight, Woodley's talked about moving on and wanting to take super fights, whether it be with Nick Diaz. He, there's a video out there of him and Michael Bisping agreeing to fight. There's, he's talked about GSP coming back. He's almost talked about everybody but, but Stephen Thompson. And I think he's going to get a reality check here, and I think Stephen Thompson ends up winning this fight. I think he wins it by decision. But I think there's not going to be any doubt. I'm looking at three rounds to two, possibly four rounds to one. Stephen Wonderboy Thompson is going to be your new UFC welterweight champion. Yeah, I, it's uh, it's hard to disagree with. I, I'm not going to, you know, recap everything you just just said. But the reason that I think that Thompson's going to win this fight is for there's three things that instantly come to mind. He's already seen Woodley fight. This time, he's not going to realize how fast Woodley moves, how fast he can close the distance. He knows he's in there with a real athlete. He's not in there with a juice head or somebody who hits the gym hard, like Hendricks or something like that. He's in there with someone who's a legit, world-class athlete. And that's, I think Thompson's going to be respectful, but 
he's also knowledgeable now of what this guy can do. He, he got to look in the mirror at his face after the fight. So I think much this fight to me plays out much the way that Chuck Liddell and Randy Couture 2 did. I think in the first fight, again, Couture 1 was able to kind of neutralize what Chuck wanted to do. Chuck kind of ended up fighting Randy's fight and got beat. In the rematch, what did Chuck do? He got he, he separated distance a little bit more, stayed on the outside, did see that shot come. He threw combinations and clipped him. I think Woodley is going to come in like he did in the last fight. He's probably got to be thinking to himself, because I heard his corner yelling it a lot in the, in the replay, that they were like, Tyrone, get inside. Take him to the ground. And, and Woodley didn't go to the ground as much as he should have. I think he's going to try you this time, but I think Thompson ha- is a student. He studied the tape. I think he's probably figured out how he's probably recognized something, whether it's a twitch or a step or something, but much the way that offensive and de- defensive linemen know if someone's blitzing by the way that they, their hands are on the line. I think Thompson probably is going to know when Woodley's going to shoot. I think he gets caught with some kicks inside. Wouldn't be surprised if Woodley gets caught with a head kick. I think he gets stunned. I think Thompson jumps on top of him and shows Woodley how you finish a fight. And I think Wonderboy Thompson beats Woodley in the first round. I think he stops. Wow. At the end of the first with a head kick and knocks him out. And new. And new. First round knockout. That's. First round that's a that's a bold call. Maybe, okay, I could definitely I'll, see I'll, it happening. <laughs> I'll pivot maybe a little. Okay, just for the sake, because I I got a little caught up there. I'll say in within the first two rounds. I don't think this fight goes to the third. Is what I'm saying. Still, that's that's a big statement. And uh, Stephen yeah. Thompson winning a fight, especially in that nature, definitely puts himself in that level where he becomes a star uh, by doing that. So, I, again, it, this this whole weekend is just going to be huge, and I'm looking forward to it. Absolutely. It's just, um, you know, fighters, because you're in the hurt business and because you're not playing a sport, you're actually fighting, great fighters can can occasionally get beat. We've seen it happen. I'm not saying that Wonder Boy is a great fighter. I'm saying that he has the potential to be a great fighter. How he responds to this fight on Saturday night is going to show a lot about his character and is going to show a lot about how he responds to something less than the outcome he thought was going to happen the first time. If you remember the first time, I thought it was crazy that Wonder Boy Thompson was the favorite over the reigning champion. And that's why I picked Woodley, because I was like, this is nuts. But much the same way that, I picked, that I'm picking Garcia, you know, two and a half to one odds on Thurman, I'll take two to one on Danny Garcia all day. I mean, that's a, you're, you're getting double your money on an undefeated fighter. Can't really beat that. Um, this time around, Thompson is even money. It's like 120, 110. So, Thompson might be a slight favorite, but now you 
can – I mean, it's more even. I think you're going to get better odds this time if you bet on Thompson. I think last time against Woodley he was minus 160 or 170. So, I think, uh, you know, because we like to give our little picks here, I'm going to say if you're a gambler out there and you need a fight to bet on this weekend, I think I don't think you can go wrong with Danny Garcia or um, or uh, Wonder Boy Thompson. I think those are the two picks. So. Yeah, I think even though I picked uh, Keith Thurman to win that fight over Danny Garcia, if I if I decide to put any money down, I I'm, I may end up going the Garcia route. That's just because those odds are just so to me they're way too wide. <laughs> Absolutely, and um, just one, before we get out of here, real quick, we didn't touch uh, because we got so caught up talking about MMA and stuff. But uh, over the weekend, we did have DeAndre Wilder, Deontay Wilder, defend his heavyweight title. Uh, in a great fight. He was actually, it was a last-minute replacement. The guy he fought's name was uh, uh, Cordell, was it Cordell Washington? But either way, yes, the guy Washington. used to play football for, yeah, Washington, used to play football for USC. Great story. He was a Marine, eight years. Then he went to USC as a walk-on, didn't have a scholarship, made the team, and he made the team. He played when, like, Reggie Bush and Matt, when they were winning championships makes the team, hurts his knee to boxing, and now is fighting for a title. And I'll tell you what, I had Washington up three rounds to one before Wilder finally woke up and threw a one-two and knocked him out in the fifth. But uh, I thought, I mean, he took the fight on on legitimately like 48-hour notice because the other guy that Wilder was supposed to fight tested positive for steroids. So... Even though Washington lost, this is a guy I want to see fight again. I'm telling you, he uh, he definitely impressed me with the way that with, with how he conducted himself in the ring. Even afterwards, you know, they shook hands with each other and were smiling. And DeAndre Wilder told him, he's like, man, you game. He's like, he's like, you were tough to deal with, man. And like, I'm telling you, this this guy might be a name you hear of, not as a champion, but I think he's going to be in a lot of good fights moving forward. But as far as Wilder. You know, he said he's ready for anybody now, and I believe him. 39-0, and 0, 38 knockouts. Yeah, Wilder's a guy. He's, you know, all respect to uh, Washington. Just uh, coming out of nowhere, like you said, it was a great story. Uh, a guy now that people are going to want to see. Uh, he's a guy that made a name for himself and a star for himself. Will he be a champion? Probably not. But he's still, he's a guy that's going to be uh, very popular moving forward in the in the boxing industry. But, yeah, Dante Wilder uh, started off a little slow, uh, came out, took care of business, and be interested to see w- which fight he gets next. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, I mean, you got we got Anthony. We talked about David Hay fighting Bello and looking for Anthony Joshua. But, I mean, Anthony Joshua and Vladimir Klitschko are going to be fighting in two weeks in – which is probably going to decide the future of the heavyweight division and where it goes. I mean, if Klitschko beats Joshua and reasserts himself as the heavyweight champion again, you're talking about now winning the title for the third time. Granted, it's not the legitimate title he lost because he didn't, he's not fighting Fury. But Klitschko still, if Klitschko is still a factor, it could, I think it could hinder the division for the next couple of years, a year or two. But I actually think that Anthony Joshua was probably going to beat Vladimir Klitschko on, uh, when they fight in two weeks. And I think that 
Joshua, the winner of the Hey Bello fight. You got uh, Wilder, and then there's uh, what's his, Joshua Parker. Uh, and then if Tyson Fury ever decides to get his ass together and get back in there, the heavyweight division could slow. And then we got David Ortiz as well, the Cuban southpaw. So the heavyweight division, I think, if Klitschko, I think Klitschko's actually holding up the division. That, and, 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 and as he should. Klitschko, don't get me wrong, he's going to retire as one of the top ten greatest heavyweights of all time. And I believe I have him as high as seven on my all-time list. But, you know, so he's earned the right to plug up the hole for a little bit. But um, I don't think he's going to get past Joshua. Uh, Any thoughts before we get out of here? No, I I don't disagree with you all. I'm going to have to take a closer look at that fight. But if I were to have him make a decision right now, I would probably pick Joshua to win that fight as well. And you're right. The heavyweight division is beginning to rebuild itself a little bit. A lot of prospects, a lot of exciting names in that division. Next year at this time, we really could be talking about a fruitful heavyweight division and the fact that anybody at any time could probably hold that title. So very exciting. We always talk about the heavyweight division being the key division in boxing. When there's a strong heavyweight division, it's always best for boxing. Those are the fights that the world stops to see. And uh, a stacked heavyweight division is nothing but great for the sport. But before we get out of here, i got to say real quick, uh, the woman that stops me at every turn, this is my lovely wife, Miss Jennifer Bragg, Jenny as we call her. Her birthday yeah, is hey. tomorrow. <laughs> her birthday is tomorrow, March 2nd. Uh, not going to tell you how old she is, uh, but I will say she's no older than 29. Uh, not going to spend too. a day with her tomorrow. How but... funny is that? <laughs> but regardless, uh, I love you, baby. Happy birthday. Look forward to a wonderful, wonderful celebration weekend with you coming up soon. So, Yeah, uh, big shout-out to Jenny for letting you come back and do the show after the hiatus and uh you know she's always been a big supporter of the show and i know i mean for for real like you know my i'm not saying everybody's life isn't complicated but you you listeners got to remember that you know i've only been married for two years and my wife jessica and i don't have any children don't have any attachments like that whereas the brag man's got four four kids a wife you're, you're you're traveling across states for work you've got a lot more so the fact that you're still you know, able to come on the show and do this and do it at the level that you're doing it at is, you know, really something to admire. So, you know, I just want to give it up for uh, the woman that allows that to happen. So Jenny, happy birthday. Um, and that's our, uh, that's our show. So uh, for the brag man, I'm your host LC saying thanks for stopping by for another edition of the ultimate fight show. Good night. Are you ready? ready?